Broadcasting live from Baltimore, Maryland, the Breath of Life Ministries presents Experience the Power. When God gets ready, He can deliver you. If you call on Him, if you trust in Him, Let's go live to the Miracle Temple Worship Center, where our service is in progress. Now we're ready to go to the Word of God today. No recognitions today, no nothing in between. Let's go to Genesis, the 19th chapter. You have seen the title. I'm sure some people are a little concerned. We had people call in and say, where's the scripture for that? Well, here it is. This is Genesis chapter 19. And I want to read beginning with verse 15, and I think you'll see it. It's, it's clear. It's there. And here's what the Bible says. And when the morning arose, then the angels hastened Lot, saying, Arise, take thy wife and thy two daughters, which are here, lest thou be consumed in the iniquity of the city. And while he lingered, the men laid hold upon his hand, upon the hand of his wife, and upon the hand of his two daughters, the Lord being merciful unto him. And they brought him forth and set him without the city. Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, today we call upon the almighty God. Oh, how we have seen thy power. Oh, how we have experienced the love of Jesus. In fact, we have come to believe that the real power of God is demonstrated in the love of Jesus Christ for us. And so this morning, our hearts reach out with gratitude. But our Bibles are open because there's something else that you want to share with us. Father, as I have done in my private prayers, I offer what little I bring. It's not enough. It's not nearly enough for what you intend to do. But I yield it into your power. Take charge of my mind and my heart and my mouth. And use whatever you can after you have filled it with the Holy Spirit. Bring glory to yourself. Let my name be forgotten. But let yours be remembered. And as we leave this place today, we shall go giving praise, honor, and glory. For it is in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. The Bible says that uh, these two angels brought Lot and his family, his small family. You've got to remember that there were other children. Uh, there were daughters who were married. But these family members were tainted by the choice of Lot. Lot was a selfish nephew. His uncle Abraham shared everything with Lot. But Lot was not of the same mind. He chose for himself the best. You would think that when Abraham and Lot came to look at that beautiful country that was spread out before them, you would think that the nephew would have said, you, Uncle Abraham, you choose what's best. And whatever is left, I'll take it. I can't, I can't, I won't dare to let my choice supersede yours. But when Abraham, in his kindness, said, what do you want? Lot looked down on the most rich soil that was in that area. In fact, some would argue it was the richest soil on the face of the planet. It reminded him, one of my favorite writers says, of the garden of God. What they had heard of Eden that had passed down from generation to generation. When they looked at this wonderful real estate, it reminded them of what God's hands must have created from the very beginning. And when Lot saw it, when Lot looked down, and I must tell you that there's something that I missed for years about this. Lot not only looked at the topography, but he looked at the wealth of the cities. When he saw the cities, 
there were rich people there. And what he thought first was, I can go and mingle with them. I can have power among them. I can be more wealthy than they are. So I am, I am sorry to tell you that something that swayed the heart of Lot was what he could get for himself. It was greed for wealth and power. I suggest to you today that even among us, you know, there are people who have contests saying, I am poorer than you are. My family was poorer than yours. But among the poor, there are some of the most avaricious dreams. How do I know? I've been poor all my life. <laughs> there are people who think that if you are poor, you must be humble. It's not so. Some of the proudest people in the world are poor people who get a little something. All rich people are certainly full of pride. But pride is not their unique experience. The pride that Lot had can be all of ours. When we make choices based on what we can gain and not what we can give. What we can draw to ourselves, not what we can spread to others. What we can do to lift our own names and not to lift the name of Jesus. Oh, what would happen in our lives if we'd ever put Jesus first? If we'd ever make choices, if we'd ever acknowledge him in all of our ways and let him direct our paths, some of us would have passed up some horrible situations in our lives, but we chose to try to get ourselves ahead. And usually when you choose to put you ahead, you end up in bad condition because of your own avarice and your own selfishness. Lot chose the richest and gave to his uncle farmland. <laughs> and you would say, you know, that's, that's a good choice. Anybody who looked at it in a business way, anybody who studied it from that angle would say, ah, shrewd man, that lot. You know, love is one thing, business is another. So he chose the land that was developed, the land that was beautiful. It had water. It had everything that was needed to have great crops and beautiful situations but he left to his uncle farmland with the oaks of Mamre and, and vines and, and there were grape vines. It was a beautiful land, but it was too rural in nature. Now, I, I don't want to get too personal with you, but I know people who think that rural is going somewhere where you have to go outside and get water to run into a cup. They think that if there's no five-star hotel, it's rural. They think that anywhere that doesn't have a place where you can go to a, a bed that's elevated and, and with one of those beautiful new things that the astronauts develop so that you can lay down and when you get up, your form is in the bed and then soon it rises up. If you don't have one of those, you are in rural territory. But there's something to be said for living in nature. And uh, Abraham pitched his tent under the oaks. Abraham looked at God's creations. Abraham lived a simple life where the noise was low. The decibel level dropped and he could hear the voice of God. I'm not saying you can't hear God's voice in the city. I know you can. But the fact is that when it's quiet, when you can hear insects, when you can hear birds, when you can look at a clear sky and see beautiful white clouds. There's something to be said about the verdure of nature. And Abraham was surrounded by it. And he would look down into the plain and he would see the, the wonderful enterprise that was going forward. But the enterprise has a noise. And the enterprise takes a cost. You must pay to be in the rat race. There are some people right now, and I, I'm going to look away when I say this, <laughs> who can barely take it when it gets quiet. Oh, they get nervous. What's wrong? It's something strange. When they hear crickets, they don't know what that is. <laughs> there are people who have been so long in the noise, the humdrum of the city, that when it gets quiet, 
They feel like there's something wrong, that the rhythm of their lives have, has gone out of sync. But Abraham, living there, stayed close to God, while Lot and his children, along with his wife, you must remember that he married a woman, a woman who was selfish. You've heard me preach about marriage. It's important. You can make it with a bad spouse, but it's not easy. You will fight every day of your life to try to cling to what you believe in. If you marry someone who is against your God, you've got to be careful. The first prerequisite ought to be somebody who believes in your God. For if you cannot go to God together, you are separated at a place that is crucial. And this wife of his did not want him to be close to his uncle. So she kept him at every moment that she could say something. She pulled him away from Abraham. In fact, Lot might have left Sodom ages before this trouble came if it had not been for his wife. She was always saying a little something, a little jab. You got to call Abraham again. You got to go to him again. Why do you travel so far to see him? Can't you live on your own? Aren't you a man? on your own isn't it time that you let go of the strings that connect you to abraham can't you think independently but remember that all of his blessings had come because of the faith of abraham he had been inoculated with the faith of abraham so that his life was stronger so that his faith grew under the tutelage of abraham and this wife said, don't go near him. So they spent their lives in a wicked city. You can make it in a wicked city, but you got to hold on to Jesus. You can't just weakly touch and go. You got to pick up your Bible and read it. I've seen people who read the Bible for other folk, proving that other people are wrong. Reading it for proof that I'm better than you are. Reading it for ammunition so that when I see you, I can say some sharp thing from the Word of God. That's not what the Bible was written for. It was written to nourish your soul. So you ought not, you know, I don't have any problem with the people who say, I let my Bible fall open and see what it says. But at some point in your life, you ought not let it fall open. You ought to start at the beginning and read read slowly not speed reading take in every morsel of it because the word of god brings faith and i suggest to you that the problem with this family was that it began to mingle with the people of sodom particularly the children now i used to say that uh, young people were in much more danger than older ones but I believe times have changed there was a time when to be older was to be more experienced I don't want to sound trite but there are some people who are 50 years old but they only have one year of experience 50 times <laughs> somewhere along the way you got to start connecting the dots you ought to learn something from last year and build on it this year. And next year you ought to know something more and next more until you can look back and see in a clear path what God is saying to you. You ought to have something to share that lifts others. But we have come to a time now where age does not guarantee wisdom. In fact, there are older people who are regressing to childhood I, I, I know what it is to be a teenager there young people are here from Pine Forge Academy they will not identify with what I say because I was there long long ago but I remember coming from uh, the south I'd lived in the south all my life and I went to Pine Forge Academy the first time I had ever crossed the Mason Dixon line I got into Philadelphia and saw things that I'd never seen before there were people who moved differently there was a different rhythm in the north and it frightened me I got off the train and got in a corner and watched 
While I was watching, people came and rolled up their sleeves with 20 watches up their arm. <laughs> Somebody would come and say, hey, look, I've got a lot of money. I want you to help me get rid of it. And I didn't know exactly what to do. I know my mother had told me, if this money that I give you to get in school goes anywhere other than that, I will come and kill you. <laughs> so not a penny left my pockets. And when I finally got to Pine Forge Academy, I saw something that was amazing. I saw people walk as though one of their limbs was injured. They pulled up their hands into their sleeves and walked like that. I remember standing in my mirror in my room. Trying to figure out which leg would be hurt. <laughs> I did it until I got it right. And one day I dared to step out and try it. I looked at everybody else, pulled my hands up again, discovered that the reason why some of them were pulling their hands up in their sleeves was because they didn't have gloves and it was cold. <laughs> I haven't figured out yet why they walk like that, but I learned how to do it because I had to be part of the majority. The children of Lot watched the people of Sodom. And they walk like that. And they talk like that. And don't fool yourself. Eventually, they will like one of them. Huh? And I'm not just talking about the young people. So, so older folk, I pulled you in early. You need to be in. Nobody can look down their noses anymore because we got some old folk mimicking the world, trying to act like people who don't know God. Shame on you, but that's what we do. And some of us are even more ridiculous than children. We can excuse it in the young. But when you get old enough to know better, I tell you that they began to grow like the people around them. And eventually there came a day when God looked down in the wealth of Sodom Gomorrah and realized that if he kept on letting it go that nobody would be able to make it. In fact, I'm going to suggest something to you before I get into the real meat of what I want to say about mercy today. Whenever God sees wickedness advancing too quickly and too broadly, he understands that unless he intercedes, there will finally be no righteousness left. And listen to me, don't you ever fool yourself. I don't care how wicked it may seem in this world of ours now, there is still somebody determined to follow Jesus. In fact, I'm proud to say that some of those folk have decided to be baptized today. They recognize that they are not choosing the popular path. It's not broad way that they will travel. It's the narrow way that they will travel. But if Jesus goes that way, then that's the way I want to go. All I need to do is see his form moving. In fact, when the Bible talks about that moment of Jesus' transfiguration, the disciples followed Jesus up a mount after dark, and eventually they could not see the path. All they could see was Jesus moving, and they followed his form. I tell you that today it may get dark, but all I need to see is where Jesus is moving. And if I can trace his steps in the Word of God, then all I need to do is follow him. And you must know that there are people right now who have determined that no matter how things change, they will follow Jesus. They'd rather obey God than man. And this is not in the Bible. This is not an inspired literature. This is a Pearson quote. In order to be a Christian, you've got to have a brain and a backbone. There will be no namby-pamby pusillanimous people in heaven. You got to have enough brain power to know where God leads you. And you got to have enough backbone to follow him. I don't care where anybody else goes. And if God blesses them both, then you'll stand up for Jesus. 
The problem with the family of Lot is that when that land was overcome with evil, and I, I don't need to go into all the descriptions, the night before the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah, that was the night the word sodomy took on another meaning. It was a horrific situation. There were angels visiting, and here came the men of Sodom saying, we saw men come into your house. Lot says, I've got daughters. I'm not sure about that offer. I've got one daughter. I don't think, I don't think I would offer her in that situation. But in order to protect those guests, he says, I've got daughters. They've never known a man. Let me bring them. They say, we don't want them. We want the men. And until they were struck with blindness, they were insistent about what they would have. And what they did not know was that just a few hours before, angels had come to Abraham. Let me tell you something. If you are in sync with God, God will tell you what's in the future. Is it true? You know, don't, don't, don't consult those people in little trailers. Nobody in a trailer can tell me where to find a million dollars. If they could, they wouldn't be in the trailer. <laughs> Nobody on an 800 number can tell me what my future is. If they could, they wouldn't be robbing me while I'm talking to them on the 800 number. Don't let anybody in a little tent with funny little balls and strange decorations. Don't let them tell you if somebody says your relative has come back to talk to you, we've already cured that from the Word of God. Your relative has not come back. These are spirits of demons. In fact, you ought to be careful what you read in the newspaper telling you your future. I could write them easily. <laughs> You will meet a dark stranger. What day is it that you don't meet a dark stranger? We've got to learn that, that if you stay with God, He'll warn you. He'll tell you what's about to happen. And He will protect you in it. So in fact, when when God was about to destroy it, angels came to Abraham and they said, look, we came to let you know we're going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. Now listen, listen, this wasn't saying what we're going to destroy, destroy where you are. Just wanted to tell him because you are on the page with God. Yeah. Do you see it? Yeah. You don't have to be in direct danger. God will communicate news to you yeah. and will always be correct because angels bring it and listen you remember the prayer Abraham was a powerful man he he not only thought of himself now let me be honest with you if the angels had said we're gonna destroy that land but your land is okay I would have said well shall we eat <laughs> but if God is in your heart you will not only be concerned about yourself You'll be concerned about people who are around you. You want to share what you know and bring salvation to your neighbors. So Abraham says, I know you're going to destroy it. I know there's reason to destroy it. But if you could find 50 good people, would you, would you spare it? And you know the story. Weren't 50 there. And the numbers went down and down and down until it came to 10. Does that frighten you a little bit? In a whole metropolitan area where wealthy people were living, where people had everything that you can imagine. And don't think that everybody was living way back then in horrible situations. There were wealthy appointments in their homes. There were all kinds of objects. There were 
There were carpets and hangings that were done well. They were done with artful fingers. If you had stepped inside one of these homes, you would have been amazed at the beauty inside. But the beauty was all in their homes and in their clothes and not in their hearts. You can purchase beauty outside, but you cannot purchase it inside. It must be paid for by the blood of Jesus. Nothing can wash away your sin but the blood of Jesus. So they lived in beauty. They lived in wealth, but they were impoverished in their hearts. And there were not 10 good people. And finally, Abraham rested his case. And on the eve of destruction, these two people came to Lot and said, get out. He said, let me go and talk to my other daughters. He went to talk to them on the night before destruction. And those daughters, along with their husbands, laughed at their father and father-in-law and said, you are joking. You came here to bring something to make us laugh. You must be out of your mind. Listen to your daddy. I told you he was crazy. He sounds like a madman. So you want us to do what? Listen, Lot, you told me to take care of your daughter. Haven't I done a good job? The very place where you're sitting now, you don't have a chair like that. Are you suggesting that I leave this and go to the hills? Lot, you know, I respect you. And regardless of your idiosyncrasies, I've tried my best to love you, but we will not we will not pick up everything and leave what we have amassed. You are out of your mind. Lot comes back, failed mission, and says to his wife and two daughters who are still in the house, we are all there is. And the angel said, we got to go. And when the sun rose, and the only reason why they had not been destroyed overnight was because of the blindness that the angels had put upon their enemies, they were still out there struggling somewhere, but they couldn't see where to go. And in that moment, the angel said, let's go. And the Bible says that while they lingered. Now let's talk about lingering. I'll be honest with you. I have described it erroneously. I did the best I could. I believe the Holy Spirit covered what I did not know, but I am better at it now. What they meant was, I'm not going to leave what I've worked for. I got a house, I got a job, I got a car, I'm responsible for people. I will not pick up and leave. What you suggest is preposterous. I will not go. The wife of Lot must have said to Lot, look, you just bought me this. <laughs> you think I'm leaving it? Can we take it with us? It's too big to carry. We don't have a cart big enough to put our furniture on. Are you out of your mind? I will not leave, but we've got to go. It's not about possessions now. Let me tell you something. We have become too enamored with possessions. My wife and I had a, an awakening moment. We, uh, we were moving. We went to put all of our our earthly goods into a storage facility. I don't want to knock storage facilities, not all of them. The one where we put our earthly goods had some affiliation with people who were of a seedy nature. My wife and I finally got a place. We got a house. And my wife went to make everything ready while I went with the, with the truck that we had rented to bring our furniture home. I went to the place where I knew was our little cubby. And I tried my key in the lock and it wouldn't open. I asked my, my brothers, I said, look, help me with this. They went and got a, one of those big cutters and they cut the lock. And I'll never forget the feeling that I had when I pulled that door up. And there was nothing in there. All the contents of, of an 18-wheeler containing everything, everything, gone. And the only reason why I knew for sure that it was our place was that I found a little piece of paper with my wife's handwriting on it and it confirmed that we had nothing. I wouldn't call 
I said, I got to go and tell her this face to face because now we've got a house that's empty and nothing to put in it. And I thought that for a moment it would be the end. Let me tell you something. Life is not about what you have. I'll tell you what Job said. The Lord giveth. The Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. You had better fall out of love with all of your possessions. They mean nothing when it comes to your salvation. And we've got to learn how to wear this world a little bit looser. We've got to learn how to step back from possessions. It doesn't make sense to fall in love with what you have. The same God who gave it to you can replace it if need be. So lean to God and not to your possession. But this family now is frozen. They've got people outside who have evil intent. They've got angels who say you've got to go and they can't make up their minds. I tell you that today there are some people in the sound of my voice, people around this globe, who know what to do. They have something whispering, calm down. That man is paid to get you excited. You don't need to change anything in your life. But here is what you know. I have not held up anything before you as the truth unless it came from the Word of God. can't do it because I don't have a heaven for you. Amen. You have not heard me one time say that if you do this for me, something will happen for you. I don't have the power to guarantee you what will happen in your life. I have the power to tell you who can. I know that if you're faithful to God, if you return a faithful tithe and give him a faithful offering, he'll open up the floodgates of heaven and pour you out a blessing. I know it's true and some of you have reported that you already have blessings that you couldn't imagine. I know God will do that, but I dare not base anything on me. The fact is, the Bible declares, if, if you had some of the greatest patriarchs of the Bible, if you had Noah, if you had Enoch, if you had all of them on your side, they would only be able to save themselves. Because God does not look at us corporately. Aren't you glad? Because there's somebody sitting not far from you who has determined that they will not obey God. But the fact is that God does not judge you by rows. <laughs> Amen. I hope you're on a good row. Hope everybody there is a wonderful Christian. But the row can't save you. God does not judge us even by families. One or two can be saved out of the family. Lot's family was not all saved. It was not done by family. Certainly not by church organizations. I have never held up to you the name of a church. While I am proud to be a Seventh-day Adventist, I would never tell you that the name Seventh-day Adventist can save you. It cannot. Only the name of Jesus. There's none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. It's Jesus' name that saved. Now you can go to places where you can do His will. That's why I find myself in this amazing organization where everything in the Bible can be practiced without anybody putting you out because the church espouses all of those things that are in the Word of God. But it's not the name of a church. It's the name of Jesus. And here's my question. How is it that somebody can still be here saying, I wonder, I wonder what I should do. Tell me what I should do. Well, here's how it went with Lot and his family. Lot and his wife and his daughters kept discussing and evaluating. God has given us these brains with the power to evaluate. Animals can't do that. There are some who seem smart enough, but they can't. They only are able to, to look at the things as they are and they respond by instinct. But you and I have been given the ability to look at the facts, to evaluate them, yeah. to see what's important and what's not. Right. We're able to come up with a conclusion. And sometimes when we do it led by the Spirit of God, it turns out exactly right. 
in all thy ways acknowledge him and he will direct thy path but when you do it on your own many times we come up wrong and there are some people who reason too long when you find a place where God says exactly what to do a feasibility study is contraindicated hmm? if God says don't that's the end of the study I'm not one of those people who says that you ought not consider it I believe that when God directs you it makes sense or God may sometimes direct you outside of sense he doesn't have to make sense he created sense sometimes he'll tell you to do something that is illogical God doesn't have to be logical he created logic he can turn logic upside down and it still makes sense because he's God and when you learn to trust him as you ought whatever he says you don't do a feasibility study the first time the Israelites came to Canaan they came with a feasibility study <laughs> they brought fruit that was so big, big big grapes that may have been like that they carried them between two men and when they came back and gave their report they said don't go in there it's a land that eats up the inhabitants now when you lie you must learn that a lie is never logical so they said the land eats up the inhabitants we have brought this big fruit and when we were over there we saw giants wait a minute if the land eats up the inhabitants how did you see giants and then they say when we saw them they looked at us and thought we looked like grasshoppers that's called projection in other words I don't I didn't ask him I didn't go up and say hey mr. giant when you look at me what do you think I decided that when they looked at me they thought I looked like a grasshopper I, I want to tell you something I am NOT a closet grasshopper God has come into my brain and made me feel like a giant it's not in me that I'm a giant it is in Christ that I rise to become more than I am but I will never allow myself to think myself lower than I am not in Christ in myself maybe I'm a grasshopper but in Christ I'm a giant these people began to think like that they did a feasibility study so they are frozen and finally the angel said it's time to go and here I come to the very nub of my title because I know mercy if not for mercy I would not be standing before you on this pulpit I have sinned and come short of the glory of God but the blood of Jesus has cleansed me from my sin there are times when I repeat but I go back to the fountain filled with blood and he washes me again and puts again on me a robe of righteousness so I do not stand before you perfect in my own right I claim the perfection of Jesus Christ and because he loves me so he allows me to stand up here and talk about him and I thank him for it but I understand that without the mercy of God I could not stand here I could not stand anywhere I would be vaporized by the righteousness of God but I stand in his mercy above the Ten Commandments in the Ark of the Covenant was a covering and opening that was called the mercy seat in fact when linguists look into the name in the original language they find that it not only means covering it means atonement so above the law mercy God deals with us in justice that is mingled with his mercy or else we would all be consumed and so today I tell you that I understand mercy I know it means pity I know it means compassion but here is a use of mercy that I have not seen anywhere else because the Bible says that those angels took hold of Lot and his wife and his daughters and began to pull them come on, come on. and I know what somebody's gonna say 
You say, yeah, but I thought you said God doesn't force people. And I'll tell you again, God does not force people. But sometimes when God knows what you really want, when you have told him in your prayers, when you have confessed to him in your heart, that is your will to follow him, he then has your will joined with his will, and now he is authorized to take extraordinary measures to save you from your own gallianty. So God heard the prayer. Every prayer I pray is interpreted by the power of the Holy Spirit. My words mean nothing in heaven. But when the Holy Spirit gets through, God understands what I really want. What Lot really wanted, what Lot's wife really wanted, what those two daughters really wanted was to escape with their lives. So God interpreted their prayers and told those angels, get them out of here. And so those angels grabbed them and said, come on. I said, but I want to wait. Come on. Yeah, but I got, come on. What can I bring? Come on. But I got to come on. And they took them out to a safe place. And then I'm going to show you something that I think will shock you. I hope you're still in Genesis 19. Because if you're over there, I'll show you a strange thing that happens with the language. In verse 15, I got the angels, plural. In verse 16, got the angels, plural. When I get to verse 17, something happens. And it came to pass when they had brought them forth abroad that he said, you there? Yeah. Knock, knock. Are you there? Yeah. Verse 15, plural. Verse 16, plural. Verse 17 starts plural. And it came to pass when they had brought them forth abroad that he said, escape for thy life. Look not behind thee, neither stay thou in all the plain. Escape to the mountain, lest thou be consumed. Look at verse 21. And he said unto them, See, I have accepted thee concerning this also, that I will not overthrow this city for which thou hast spoken. What had happened was, Lot said, I can't get to the plain. Let me tell you how sweet Jesus is. Incidentally, let me tell you what I believe about that text. I believe that the two angels came to get them out of the house. I believe the two angels took them out to a place where they could talk. I believe that the two angels did what God told them to do. And then I believe that Jesus himself. I've been trying to tell you for four weeks now. God is not willing that any should perish. But that all should come to repentance. I've been trying to tell you that the active agent in our salvation is Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And there are times when Jesus will not send anybody else. He comes himself. So when the angels had brought him out far enough, Jesus showed up. And the angels fell back. And Jesus said, escape for your life. Jesus said. And what I want you to see in that snapshot is this. I don't care how, I don't care how simple you think you are. I don't care how insignificant you think you are. There are people who count themselves nothing because of what other people have told them. Maybe your parents told you something they should never have said to you as their child. There are parents who ruin their children by what they say. But listen to me. If your mama told you you were nothing, Jesus disagrees. If your daddy told you you were nothing, Jesus disagrees. If your aunt, your uncle, your grandmother, your granddaddy, if your children have told you, you are nothing. Jesus disagrees. And he proves his disagreement by showing up. He comes himself. So trust me, the angels would probably have been enough. But Jesus shows his compassion, his mercy. And that's why I believe the text says those angels put their hands on them and led them out, pulled them, 
showing mercy to them, sometimes mercy expresses itself in the active voice. Sometimes mercy can't just give you a little pat on the back or tell you it's okay. Sometimes mercy does more than say your sins are forgiven by the blood. Sometimes mercy must be active. And on that day, because they didn't move fast enough, angels took them out to a place where they could meet with somebody who had great authority. And it was Jesus who said, get out of here. Flee for your life. Escape for your life. And I believe, in fact, if you go to Luke chapter 17, start with about 28, verse 28 verse, you will see where it says that just as it was in the days of Noah, just as it was in the days of Lot, so shall it be at the end of time. Are you ready to listen now? I'm going to preach for a minute. What does it take to make you move? There are infidels who know that something is different about today. There are people who are agnostics who know that something is wrong with these times. The statisticians can't figure out why they can't get a bead on any opinion in the United States anymore. Other countries have the same problem. Our, our opinions are mercuric. They're here today, there tomorrow. They take a poll in the morning, it changes in the afternoon. Tomorrow it, it's all the way upside down. That's why nobody can predict what's going to happen because the brain power of the corporate world is swept up into a mindset that has nothing to do with reality or objectivity. It's being controlled by a power beyond us. And for most people, it's not the power of God. It's diabolical. So you try to make sense of what people do and what they say. Your friends say things to you that don't make sense. They say they love you, but they hurt you. You take your children to places where you pay for them to be cared for, but instead they hurt your children. You go to places where you pay to eat and they serve you food that will kill you. You buy a car that's supposed to be worthy of riding down the road and then a piece of it falls off. And you begin to wonder what's going wrong with the world. Why are people so angry now? Why do they do such evil things? Why do people seem set and determined to do evil when it's not called for? And I tell you that we have come to a time now that cannot be explained. And everybody knows something is about to happen. Revelation chapter 7 says there are four angels. holding the winds of strife. You think things are bad now? God is still sending the word to him as one angel that talks to him. He says, hold the winds. Don't let them blow. Oh, every now and then again, something rumbles a little bit. Come again. But they hold the four winds of the earth and they have not turned loose. They are holding until God can pull out a people. People who are willing to obey him no matter what. And I'll tell you how naive I am. Well, I'm not naive, but I'll explain it to you. I've been preaching now professionally for almost 36 years. Come on. The Lord has allowed me to go to 60 countries and the island nations of the sea. I have preached to people who couldn't understand what I was saying. An interpreter had to tell them what I was saying. But I've seen the power of the Holy Spirit go through me to the interpreter to the people. And the power of God went through all of us and touched them, and I saw them change, not by might, not by power, but by the Spirit. I know that Jesus is busy right now calling a certain kind of person 
and it's not your status it's not your bank account it's not your address it's not your style of dress it's not what your credit cards look like it's not your car it's your heart and if you are willing to obey what the Bible says Jesus is calling you he says come out of there come out of there because eventually I'm gonna tell one angel to tell four let them go but don't let them go until I have sealed the people who will obey me I tell you this and these words will come back to visit you they are not mine remember we read it in Revelation those three angels that talked and they said come out of her that doesn't mean come out of the world you got to live on this earth it means get your brain out of the world get your brain out of a secular mindset get your brain out of a religious organization's influence that is against the true people of God learn to obey me what I say in my Bible not by what somebody else explains over top of what I said you must learn to take the Word of God as it is written you've got to allow the Holy Spirit to accomplish in your life what you cannot do and if you're willing to open the door and let Jesus in he will make you part of the chosen the sealed those that have the power from the Holy Spirit and trust me just as surely as when Jesus ascended back from his time on earth and the Holy Spirit came he told those disciples tarry wait in Jerusalem and they were in that room all of one accord and there came something like a rushing mighty wind that was the only way to describe it back in those days if they had described it now they may have said it in different ways they might have said that the the building began to vibrate they might have said that every raft of the building was was making noise they might have said that there was light like halogen lights but they only said it was light like cloven tongues of fire they said we saw something happen we heard people speak in tongues that they had not learned because God had to get the message to people from other countries we witnessed the power of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit so when Jesus left the power was poured out I suggest to you that as we read the other night when the Church of God finally came out from under the power of an oppressing force when the woman who had gone to the wilderness was set free I posit to you today that the Holy Spirit began to be poured out again let me tell you what we are about to see the Spirit of God is gonna fall on people who we thought ordinary so if you think you are somebody powerful in Christ don't get carried away with yourself because some teenager who wants to follow Jesus is gonna get enough power to equal you and maybe surpass you all that person will do is to feel the power fall on them and they will be witnesses for Jesus some little teenager who you thought would never make it to the church who wears clothes that you don't like who wears things that you don't like they will change by the power of the Holy Spirit and they will witness to Christ some of us old folk are gonna be ashamed because we've been sitting around too long dormant in our pews doing nothing for Jesus just sitting around in somebody's way it's time for the church to get up out of the pew for a minute and go out and tell somebody that Jesus is about to come Now today I want to say to our downlink sites you know we do this from time to time you suspected didn't you not that I would do it today so I ask you wherever your downlink site is I beg of you that you start your appeal when I go off the air because just for a few more minutes we're gonna be here today appealing for more who need to be baptized we're gonna be back with you at 7 o'clock tonight it will be our last broadcast I hope you're with us we're gonna have a wonderful musical program I'll speak to you one more time just briefly but I'll speak to you again but right now I'd like to ask you pastor I'd like to ask you operator 
Would you take over when this thing closes down? After the credits run, you pick up the appeal. It's not my appeal. It's not your appeal. It's the Holy Spirit's power calling people today to be in the number that will be sealed by the Holy Spirit, that will be empowered by the Holy Spirit, and we shall stand by the power of Jesus through the trouble that is ahead, and one day, we'll look up and see Jesus coming and the Bible declares what we'll say Lo, this is our God we've waited for him and he'll save us and I want to be in that number and I want you to be in that number I'll preach till all the breath is gone from my body if that's what that's what God wants me to do because I want to be there but I want you to be there too so I beg of you as we go off the air that you'll continue what we are doing now because when we get to that point we're going to ask for someone else someone else who feels angels tugging at their arms you know something I don't believe the angels stopped tugging I don't believe they stopped taking hold of people in lots time I believe there's some angels in that room where you are I believe there are angels in this room where we are and I believe that there are some angels who are about to help lift somebody up out of their seat to come down to the front of this auditorium I think the angels are gonna pull you with mercy in fact that's the way mercy is gonna to operate today the mercy of the angels of God will lift you out of your seat all you have got to do is will to do it Walter Pearson believes that Jesus Christ is the answer to every problem you face. 